Hello, everybody. Just a very quick one about Instagram. If you're on it, Meta, the parent company, is reducing the number of political posts visible to users on their feed. This is a real thing, not a hoax. So go to your Instagram profile, tap the three horizontal lines in the top right corner to open the settings tab, scroll down to what you see, click on content preferences, open political content, and turn on don't limit political content. That's an option. Otherwise, you won't see almost anything we post because we are deemed political. Please do that now or you won't even see the posts about our shows, our fun things. So if you want to see Guilty Feminist content and know when we're coming to a place near you, releasing a new podcast, do it now. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm a feminist, uh, but today, my virtually one day in Philadelphia, I had Googled feminist things to do in Philadelphia so I could engage with the local. Why are you laughing, Philadelphia? Why are you laughing? And I, I couldn't find anything immediately, and I thought, well, maybe I could go to this really sexist-looking art exhibit that I'd found, because I thought I could engage with that. Even though it's not feminist, I could be feminist in relief. I just was looking for content, and... Uh, Instead, I got really bad period pain, so I lay in bed all day in my hotel room, and the only thing I did is order room service off the kids' menu. It's <laughs> literally all I did. I'm a feminist, but uh, sometimes I misspell feminism. Do you spell it feminism? Do you put men in feminism? Don't femi- ask me to do it live right now, because I'm not going to get it right. If you spell it, I've I don't seen... don't know if it's not irony and where it goes. Sometimes... Men's rights activists spell it feminism, which I was thinking oh, is kind of ironic. Yeah. Well, that'd be like a funny Easter egg in the word feminism if there was the word men in feminism. Yeah, that's how people misspell it most often. That's, yeah, that's how I misspell it. I'm a feminist, but I got this lovely letter backstage. Dear DF Dubs, I really wanted to bake you a full fat egg containing glutinous cake in an effort to bribe you to do a shout out to my partner. Now, this is a reference to the fact that I have not so much complained, not definitely not complained, but been curious about the fact that fans often send back to us vegan gluten-free brownies. Now, the vegans part, I absolutely understand. The veganism does go with feminism for the environment, for a- One animal rights. One person loves that. The only person in Philadelphia that doesn't have a cheesesteak. <laughs> the one vegan in the audience literally, screamed, I'm a yeah, vegan. Like, um, the gluten-free, I don't know why people assume feminists are gluten-free. <laughs> But they do. They're like, you're a feminist. You won't be having the gluten. Like, how does that go? I don't understand how that matches. But people, I think they're just trying to be inclusive. They think at least one of the feminists in the green room is going to be gluten free. Yeah, they're like, what? So uh, this person was going to break me brownies. But then unfortunately, there was a power issue that caused a small house fire. In brackets, everyone was okay. So that's relaxing. Thank you. There's, don't, I heard the concern in people's voice there. And fried all the appliances. So instead, I can offer that anytime you're near Richmond, Virginia... We would love to serve you fondue in our electric pot. 
along with anyone you'd like to bring, including John Hamm. That's, which I would love to bring John Hamm. That's, I occasionally that, hang out with him all the time, like just very casually. Do you? Do you? Yeah. Is he one of the Conan? No, does he? Has, has, ever be, has he ever been on Conan? <laughs> John Hamm, the hottest man in the world, with famously the biggest hog that's ever been in Hollywood. The biggest one? Hog? What's hog? Like a penis? You never heard that slang for a penis? No. A hog? Like, oh, he's got a huge hog. I've never heard that. What? No. I love that That's I got to thing. tell you what a hog is. Is that a thing? Is that a real thing? Is she making that up? It's not real thing. A... Who knows hog? Who knows it? Just cheer if you know it. Yeah. I know. I'm the, I made a mistake. <laughs> uh, no, no, no. There are people who know. Just cheer if you know hog. They know it. They know it. Just cheer if you have any confirmation. Oh. This feels terrible and not feminist. Is there any confirmation that John Hamm is extra endowed? I said it wasn't feminist to cheer and you cheered <laughs> as if it were feminist. Can you imagine if men were doing a podcast and they were like, oh, oh no. she's got a huge tits. <laughs> like, we would be horrified and judgmental of them. So John Hamm, if you're listening, and I'm sure you are, because you know that we like to give you shout outs, we do not judge the size of anything on your person. No. And that is not how we rate you. Although I'm under unsettled to learn this information. <laughs> you don't want it to be too big, though. You know what I mean? It's, no, it's not fun if it's too big. Guys it's are very not obsessed fun if it's with too big. Also, yes, they all want it to be length. as big as possible. But Yes, it's also, it's honestly... It's yeah, just, no, it's I don't, it, no one cares if I it care hits about. the back wall. No, no and one cares. Like, when it hits the back wall too hard, that's called a contraction. Like, that's... Yes, it's too it's much. It's hitting the same thing. Yes, Like, when you get agreed. an ID insert and you're like, no, stop no, doing this. Yes, absolutely. Too big, too big. Not listen, and wherever your penis sits on the spectrum, we love it. We're happy with it. Honestly, I'm a I'm a below this, average girl. This, I like it less. Yeah, this obsession with too big, it's like it's like no, because you know, also a girl has a gag reflex. <laughs> so I'm a feminist, but um I'm gladly playing on your emotions to try and get a shout out to Kaylin for their birthday. So here is my birthday shout out. Thank you, Kaylin. And what it says here is, you are one of our feminist heroines. One of our mantras is, what would Deborah Francis White do? Thank you. And the answer to that, this is why this is I'm a feminist, but the answer to that is stay in bed all day and order room service from the kids' menu. <laughs> do not be doing what I would do. What I would do is, it's up and down. That's all I'm saying. You can do what I'd do on a good day, you can do what I'd say I'd do on the podcast, but don't always do what I actually do because that is a very patchwork quilt. <laughs> this is going to be a left turn. Um, I, I am a feminist, but uh, I don't think everyone needs to be like super chill with period blood. Um, <laughs> like, if, if, if you want a free bleed, Godspeed. Um, but like, it's still blood. Um, and I feel like maybe that's not the war we should be fighting right now. That's mine. I know what you mean. Right? As someone who's been in bed all day with period pain, I hear that. And I, I mean, do imagine feel- imagine if you add free bleeding to that and it's chaos. Well, I'm in a hotel room and there oh, are yeah. people that job it is to strip the sheets and they're paid like six bucks an hour. Oh, God. So I can't right? be free bleeding. That's no, not a feminist that's... act. No, it's not. I'm going to put that out yes. there. It's not a feminist act go. to bleed on someone else's sheets. Yes. It's an act of privilege. It's an act of privilege <laughs> to bleed on the sheets it's an act of, colonial of any privilege. Ramada or Hyatt in the country. Free bleeding is an act of violence against women. <laughs> No, no. Oh, God, now, God, hold God. on, hold on. We've gone I'm too kidding, far I'm now. Kidding, I'm kidding. We've I'm missed the turn off. We've missed the turn off. Nope, we've far. gone too far. Edit it out. Edit it Glenn, out. we've gone too far. That will not be edited out. I'm a feminist, but the last hotel I was in, which was in New York City, there was a modeling convention in the no. conference center, and the doors kept opening on it anytime I'd get into the elevator. And it was for young teenage girls to be discovered. When I got in the elevator later in the day, one of these you know, teenage girls with her T-shirt on with her number on and her mother, and I said, how did it go? And the teenage girl looked so disappointed, didn't even look at me, and her mother went, it was a long day. And I was like, oh, my God. But then I looked at her, and her mother was wearing Prada, and they were super waspy, and I did think to myself, eh, 
How else are white waspy girls who live on the Upper East Side with a country house in Connecticut ever going to experience disappointment? I mean, in a very real way, this yeah. may be her only opportunity to know what rejection feels like. Right. That and like, her and maybe that's why her mother brought her to yeah. just go. Your life's going to be super easy. Yeah. So what I'm saying is, I feel like anyone who has a privileged child should make them go to a modeling convention and speak to the authorities and say, do not accept them. They are here to learn empathy. <laughs> oh my God, that's great. I'm a feminist, but one time I paid a person to shoot a laser at my asshole with the hopes that it would get rid of excess body hair. It's laser hair removal is what I did. Um, and I paid too much money for it because I thought, oh, well, like women don't have hair on their, uh, as you in England would say, naughty bits. Um, we would not say that. That's, <laughs> that's something that was once said in a carry-on film in the 60s. <laughs> Nobody's ever said naughty bits. Naughty bits is the British hog. <laughs> yeah, it's not a thing. It's not a thing. I mean, I'm sure someone has said it once, but it's not, it's not we don't get out of bed in the morning tweet it and then get back into bed it's just all I'm saying it's not no live from the public yeah. Guilty Feminists, the podcast in which we explore our noble goals as 21st century feminists and our hypocrisies and insecurities which undermine them. I'm Deborah Francis-White, this is Glenn Buzan, and we're talking about Twice As Good As A Man. So our theme today is Twice As Good As A Man. Now, this is because there is a famous quote, Glenn. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I'm going to read it for you now, and I'm going to read two different sources. Charlotte Witten mm. is meant to have said... Whatever women do, they must do twice as well as a man to be thought half as good. Luckily, this is not difficult. (laughs) Fanny Hurst once said, a woman has to be twice as good as a man to go half as far. Uh, So I don't know who said it first or whether they were parallel thoughts or one person was riffing on another. But that's the idea that we've come to this podcast with today. Yes. Do you still feel we have to be twice as good as men? You're a comedy writer in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. And those jobs for years only went to men. You write for Conan, yeah? Yes, I do. And how is that now as a female uh, writer in Hollywood? How does that feel going in? I'm still employed there. So I'm going to say nice things. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> it's really great. It's great. Yeah, I'm one of three female writers. So there are how like many, out of how seven many or eight, I think. So it's still like pretty gender imbalanced. But I will say the quality of the men who work at the show is maybe the best quality of like ally and dude um, I've had at a job so far. And so I'm not supportive. just saying that because they pay me. It's no, really true. And because they might listen to this podcast. And Yes. Uh, but overall <laughs> no, in Hollywood do you still feel because whenever you see the yeah. pictures of the rooms they still look predominantly white and predominantly male and they are it's changing a little bit at the staff writer level I think a lot but in any sort of upper level situation they want to hire people who have already had jobs and so it's a little bit difficult to you know they're like well these white guys have had jobs for 20 years they're now in charge so you, you don't just hire somebody off the street to have a high level job I guess but so it's changing so you it's, think it's there is now an encouraging pipeline I think in 20 years, we'll have a 40-60 gender split, female to male. In 20 years, gender. we're yeah. not going to be halfway? I, well, then, <laughs> across all uh, levels of I of give up feminism, then, because that's not okay. 20 years, we're still not going to be 50-50? I'm not 50? a Vegas person. I'm not a betting person. I'm not good with numbers. So, yeah, I'm going to say 20 years, 40-60, the up and down on the, whatever the over-under is on that. I demand more. <laughs> I think... I know, I know. I think, I think, I think, I think it'll change faster women, than that. I'm kidding about 20 years. I don't think it'll be 20. No, I think you're probably right. But I, I, I really want to push for women and minority genders yeah. to be over 50% it's, in 10 years because women and minority genders make up over 50% of the population. Well over, yeah. Yeah. White, straight, cis, non-disabled men are a minority. Hardcore. Like a real minority. minority. And it's yeah. wonderful. There are 10 that, of them and they all own everything. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's wonderful that that minority gets so much exposure. Yeah. 
I love it when minorities get so much exposure, but <laughs> I'm questioning whether. <laughs> Wait, if you are were, we the oppressors? If you were an alien watching television, yes. and I don't or mean I an alien like me, because yeah. my visa says, by the way, I, the reason I'm allowed to work here right now, or tour here, is my visa says I'm an alien of extraordinary ability. Congratulations. Yeah, but it does make me feel like Alf or E.T. <laughs> It does. It makes you feel like you're someone from Star Trek. It's like an alien of extraordinary ability. It's like I'm going to be able to melt walls or something. Um, but I do mean if you were a space alien yes. and you learned about planet Earth based on television alone, you, you would assume that, that 90% of the population yes. You think white, women are a straight, minority. Yes. Cis men. You think, well, there's one woman for every 10 men. You would think. Yes. And you every woman think. is so hot. Yeah, if it was based on movie posters alone. Yes. Well, just to be clear, does this space alien have a sense of what human beings find hot? Because I think... Um, I think that would be in the, like, book of things you study as an alien if you go to another planet. <laughs> I think I if you're just looking at movie cool. posters... Yes, I think I, you. I don't know that you would know that the women were meant to be stereotypically hot. I think you would just think... That's yeah, all you can think? be as a woman. I just now I'm just imagining an alien like looking at the poster for Space Jam and being like, "What? <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's what women look like is bunnies." <laughs> like, I was looking at the poster for The Gentleman, which is a new Guy Ritchie film, and I thought, "Man, has that has that guy smashed it with the zeitgeist there?" It's like <laughs> twelve white guys. I think there's one maybe brown guy, but it's not clear because he's at the back, yeah. and. One woman peeking around the back. Oh, my God. Like, one woman. But she's, like, so... The photographer must have been going, could you just get a little bit further away? You know, and that was... Further back. Keep going. That was... We promised to throw you the ball. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. It was the makeup artist who, like, accidentally got in the shot. <laughs> it was not even in the movie. Then I also thought having Ricky Gervais host the Golden Globes was such a tone-deaf... It felt so Out weird. of the zeitgeist. It was so out of the zeitgeist. There was a time when he most, I suppose, reflected the really crass spirit of the time. Sure. And I'm really glad that time has passed. <laughs> but it clearly hasn't yeah. because they've hired him again to say the same things, um, which is don't be political unless you're perfect. Like, that's what he said. He was like, if you got here in a car, I don't want to hear you talking about climate change because God forbid someone uses their platform right. to try and change the world. Yeah. I was like, what is this man talking about? It's also, he's like, screw you, Hollywood. And I'm like, you are maybe the richest person in the room. <laughs> like, I know, you I know. You made the office. <laughs> like, you were very wealthy. Screw me at a bunch of people who make maybe less money than you. Yeah, no. I, I, yeah. So I'm, I'm wondering if how much has changed and how much we can further change it. We will further explore that tonight. <laughs> so normally we ask the co-host to do a little bit of stand-up comedy yes and i said to glenn glenn would you like to do a bit of stand-up comedy and glenn said i don't do stand-up comedy um i'm a writer but and i think so the theme of the show is that uh women have to be so much better at a thing and so i guess i felt like if i i was a little scared to do it because i felt like i wouldn't be good at stand-up or like because you're not good at stand-up the first time you try it but i felt a lot of pressure especially as a woman to be like you have to be very funny at stand-up right and so when you said, well, would you like to do something? And then you told me what the theme of the show is about, like, failing and not being good enough. I said, well, okay, uh, what if for my bit I have this Google Doc that is secret to me and it's called Stand-Up Ideas <laughs> um, that I've never said out loud in my life or shown anyone. And I thought, oh, what if I just printed it out and said it in front of 100 people? <laughs> There's way more than 100 people here, just to be clear. <laughs> now, okay, so Glenn has not done stand-up before for the reason most people who want to do stand-up don't do it. They don't do it because their first gig isn't going to be as good as their hundredth gig. They want to be a hundred gigs in. Yes. The only way you can be a hundred gigs in is to do a hundred gigs. So Glenn, who has not been sent the same messages as uh, men have, who often assume their first gig is going to be better than anyone else's thousandth gig... <laughs> You talk to them, they're like, I'm so funny at parties. And then they do the gig, they're terrible, and then they tell you how great it went. I they crushed. Do. I, I they do, crushed. they do. And they recreate, and this is something that other comics and I have talked about, in the car on the way back from the gig. Oh, my God. Men rewrite the narrative of what yes. happened. You saw them do, yes. okay, it was a bit soggy in the middle. Yes. They had one big laugh, and then it was, it was, it was okay. It yes. was okay. But actually, some of it was tense. 
<laughs> they rewrite it in the car as, oh, my God, I smashed it tonight. Oh, my God. At first I used to go, oh, I guess I was wrong. I guess I saw something else. And at the, by the end, yeah, they gaslight yeah. you. By the end, you go home and you think you might have had a great gig and they had an average gig or a bad gig. But by the time you go home, you think, oh, no, they were the ones that they got a standing ovation. I've misremembered. Right. People get up to leave during their set and they go, standing up. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> they loved it. So. Too funny. They had to go. <laughs> so Glenn's, you know, writing for Conan. She's obviously funny. She has not yet done stand up. This is her first time doing stand up. Can I just say, I'm so honored she's doing this on my podcast. Can I just say, she said to me, I don't want any fake laughs. I want a proper read on where we're at. Please don't so, give me pity laughs. I won't learn that way. I won't become better if you are nice to me. So don't. <laughs> but be supportive, but not artificial. Okay? Are we ready? We go in there together. Please welcome to the stage the incredible Glenn Brisson. Should I stand up? Um, okay. Uh, oh, I don't have uh, transitions or anything. Um, oh, uh, it's very funny to me when you um, knock on a bathroom door to see if somebody's in there and you go like, knock, knock, and the person inside goes, yeah? <laughs> like as if I wanted to start a conversation with you? Like, what? how's the shit going? I don't know. Um, Again, I don't have transitions. Um, <clears throat> oh, um, steak salad is crazy, right? <laughs> like, it's a really nice salad, and, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, hey, also steak is here. <laughs> oh, why did I do this? Oh, God. Oh. Uh. Oh yeah, a steak salad to me, and this is my like simile metaphor. Uh, ste a steak salad to me is like uh, feels like a conservative dad trying to bond with his gay son, <laughs> where it's like neither of us want to be here together. This is an unnatural pairing. No one likes this. Can we go? Uh, you know that uh, personality quiz, the Myers Briggs test, where you take it and it's like I'm an INTJ or like I'm an ESTP. I took it and I'm a C-U-N-T. Um, <laughs> oh, I got some other uh, C-U-N-T's in the house. Very assertive personality type. Oh, I have a very like weird taste in men, like physically. Somebody asked me what my type was and I was trying to figure it out and I was realizing, oh, my type is like a guy who looks like he stopped halfway into his anamorph transition. <laughs> Do you know those anamorph books where like, Teenagers turn into like hawks and dolphins. Like the, and the cover of the book has them turning the middle one, square in the middle. I'm like, that guy's eyes are so far apart and he looks like he might have a tail. Yes. He looks so weird, gimme. Oh no. Um, oh, okay. Uh, do you want to hear something that I thought of that you've never thought of before that'll ruin your life? <laughs> um, your grandmother has a clit. <laughs> that's right, that's what I did. <laughs> it was so upsetting. Um, okay, and then I thought I would end on an impression. Do you guys like impressions? <laughs> okay. This is my last, uh, my last joke. Um, okay, this is my impression of a really rich adopted girl trying to find her biological parents. Uh, I'm sorry, do you know who my father is? <laughs> um, that's my time, thank you so much. Glenn Bazan, everybody. Her first time doing stand-up in the whole world. How, how do you feel there, Glenn? Oh, I feel crazy. <laughs> will you, I will was really you, you guys were being too nice. <laughs> will, you, will you do it again? Um, maybe. That might be, have been enough for me. <laughs> <laughs>
that was really awesome. It's kind of like it's like a skydiving or like a right where I can say I'm like, well, I I've did done it. it. Yeah. I've done it. Yeah, I'll be on the podcast. Maybe if I do it again, I might like memorize something or like yeah, have yeah, some yeah. Sort no, of, no, 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 uh, no. Well, yeah. you can prove it to people because it'll be on the podcast. Hello, Guilty Feminist. This is Deborah. I am just letting you know that this Friday night, the 4th of September at 7.30 p.m. British time, I am going to be doing Deborah Francis White Rolls the Dice, which is a show about how I found my biological mother and family, having never met or seen even a picture of anyone biologically related to me. It's a show that I did that won the Writers Guild Award, but I haven't really done it in the same era as The Guilty Feminist, so I would absolutely love you all to see it. All the funds raised will go to help uh, emerging artists who've never been to Edinburgh before go to the Edinburgh Festival for the first time. So the ticket sales are being done as a fundraiser. So if you go to Sheddenborough.com, that's like Edinburgh in a shed, Sheddenborough, S-H-E-D-I-N-B-U-R-G-H.com, you'll be able to see Deborah Francis White Rolls the Dice and all the details there and click through to get a ticket to see it live streamed on Friday at 7.30 p.m. It's a really personal show to me, so I'd absolutely love you to see it. I'm also doing Pappy's Flat Slam Showdown, which is a very, very funny show with Pappy's on the 3rd of September at 8pm, also an online streaming event. And you can get tickets at Eventbrite and see details on my social media at DFDubs on Instagram or at DebraFW on Twitter. Details for both shows are in the show notes or on social media. And now back to the podcast. Our guest today is a Philadelphia-based social worker, feminist writer, public speaker, and community activist. She is an award-winning blogger and the author of the novel Push the Button, the poetry collection The Secret of Sugar Water, and the highly anticipated Reclaiming Our Space, How Black Feminists Are Changing the World from the Tweets to the Streets. Her work centers black American culture, critical race theory, intersectionality, women's health, and well-being. She sits on the board of the Wayfinder Foundation, a grant-making organization that invests in women making a difference in their underserved communities and the Hope Center for College Community and Justice. Please welcome to the stage with the kind of woohoos that would match that resume, the incredible Feminista Jones! Hello, Philadelphia. Hey. How about those eagles? Yes, I hear that. Okay, so I hear you have a team called the Eagles. I'm going to say football. Is yeah. it football? Yes. Excellent. Yeah, yeah. And there was a big sports cup that they won a couple of years ago. World yeah. Series, I'm Super guessing. Bowl. Yeah. Super Bowl. Super Bowl, thank you. And... Uh, I mean, it would be exception if they'd won the World Series. That would be something to write home about. They didn't. They won the Super Bowl. And then recently, just like yesterday or something, yeah. they lost something big oh. to the Seahawks, yeah. which is a team that I know is in Seattle because I've watched a lot of Frasier. Yeah. Just wanted to check on, see how you all were recovering and dealing with that because I know the Philadelphia fandom is like no other. So, but you're all feminists. You don't give a shit. <laughs> So, Feminista Jones, we read out those quotes about women Mm -hmm. having to, Mm -hmm. you know, be twice as good to be considered half as good. But then I found this other quote uh, that is from Scandal. Rowan says, did I not raise you for better? How many times have I told you you have to be what? Olivia, his daughter, says twice as good. And Rowan says, you have to be twice as good as them to get half of what they have. Mm -hmm. And he's talking about white people. Yeah. So I'm Um, throwing that into the mix. Yeah, and you know, it's of course interesting that Rowan, how many watch Scandal? Yeah, you like that? It was her dad, right? This really patriarchal, violent man, right? Then he tried to have her killed a few times. Like, it was really bad. But in this point, he's like focusing on the race issue, right? And he's like, you got to be twice as, you know, like most black men, they only think about race, right? And she's his daughter. And he's not thinking about, you know, you're also a woman. 
And so if you're thinking the black guy is saying you got to work twice as hard and then the white Victorian lady is saying you got to work twice as hard, I'm thinking I got to be fucking quadruple as bad. And then will they even let me in the door, right? And that's the life of being a black woman. And that's why intersectional feminism exists and why I'm the black person on the show here today (laughs) in the blackest city in the country. Thank you for having me. It's an absolute delight. (laughs) Can you tell us about how you feel in terms of your trajectory? You do a lot of stuff in terms of being having to be twice as good or as you say, maybe four times as good. Yeah, when I was raised, my mom was like, you know, you have two strikes against you. You're going to be a woman and you are black. And that was what I grew up thinking that I would have to work you know, even harder than everyone around me, no matter how smart I am, how fast, whatever, I was going to have to be way better than them just to even be considered, right? And we have the data and the statistics that back that all up, right? You know, a white man with a high school diploma will get a job before a black woman with a master's degree, right? So we have to do that. And that was ingrained in me. I was also kind of raised like a single child. Um, So I grew up kind of by myself and I was just like well I have to make up friends I have to do all these kinds of things I have to be my own person so I was just like yeah I got to be great at everything and I'm one of those people it's like they're like well what can't you do I was like well I can't draw that's it (laughs) (laughs) and I really can't (laughs) I can't like I'll try and draw you right now it's gonna be real bad like here you go (laughs) (laughs) That's you, It shows promise. Yeah, um, working on it. Don't not draw your first picture because it won't be as good as your hundredth. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. So tell us about your social work in yeah. Philadelphia. Yes. What was that like? So I went to the University of Pennsylvania. Uh, oh, look at that. Yes, you elitist bastards. Um, I, I graduated from undergrad back when they were gentrifying West Philly and we were fighting against it, but I still wanted that very white degree. And I went back to New York to be a social worker because as many of you know, Philly struggles with keeping its college grads and you know providing jobs. So I went back to... New York to try to do stuff there. But there's so many people like me in New York City doing what the social work that I was doing. Um, So after about 15 years, I was like, wow, New York costs a lot. And there's a lot of white people from the Midwest moving here. I'm going to go to like the poorest city in the country, Philadelphia, and see what I can do there. Because the poverty issue here is so bad. I was like, maybe I can try to come and do something here. And so for the last few years, I was working really in a lot of anti-hunger and neighborhood revitalization stuff because that is super important here. Um, I mean, many of you may not know, Philly does have a 26% poverty rate. It's the highest of any large city in this country. We also have like 43% black people. Again, the highest of any large city in this country. There's a correlation there, right? And that hasn't moved in 20 years. So something's happening. And I was like, well, what can I do about that? So I came here and have been working with different organizations and foundations and 
grassroots folks and whomever, really, just to try to bring awareness to the fact that people are dying, they're starving, they're like, it, this city is really bad. So that's what I can't, it's, it's just so bad sometimes. You're like, are you fucking kidding me? When you see the council that gets elected again, it's like the same shit, different day. So, you know, I take it to the streets and try to work with the folks and empower them. I'm sorry, I'm cursing a lot. I'm originally from the Bronx, so I'm cursing a lot. I'm sorry, I've been trying to work on not cursing as much. We, so, well, we broadcast this podcast on Her Majesty's Internet. Which you know, what, I did the BBC once, yeah, and I didn't curse once. I felt some kind of way. I went to London and I was recording on the BBC because I did that Wow thing too. Oh yes, yes, yes. And then I was on the BBC and I was like, I can't curse here. No, you can't. On the they BBC. will like kill well, me. No, they won't kill you. <laughs> they won't kill you. It will be a long prison sentence, though. They would take uh, my no. passport stamp back. They t- you just do driven to the airport for silence by a, by, by a chauffeur with a bowler hat. Uh, no, that's not the case. That's not the case at all. So that's like the serious part of my life. You know, I've done that. I'm 40 and turned 40 this year. Very happy to have made it to 40 as a black woman in America. I gave about nearly 18 years of my life to social work and I retired in uh, December. And I've been focusing more on my writing, my mm-hmm. public speaking, teaching. I'm currently applying to get my PhD. Yay. <laughs> at 40. So, so you're going to be Dr. Feminista Jones. I would love to be Dr. Feminista Jones. Oh, There's wow. so many people are like, I already thought you had it. I'm like, bitch, I'm just that smart. But, <laughs> you know, I can't go and get a job at the University of Pennsylvania until I am Dr. Feminista Jones. So I'm trying to do that now. So what's your PhD going to be on? My hope is that it looks at the concept of a hip-hop mother, basically a sociological, possibly anthropological examination of what it means to be a hip-hop mother. Um, Hip-hop culture is the culture I was raised in, and I am a mother, and I thought about how I approach parenting is very much in hip-hop cultural traditions, from language to fashion to the art to all these different types of things. You know, Tupac talked about making a dollar out of 15 cents, which I think is a sociological theory and an approach to motherhood. So I would like to propose that hip-hop in its music and its film has presented an idea of a hip hop mother and I'd like to define it. And what do you think, what is a hip hop mother and what should it be? So I think that a hip hop mother is most likely Gen X or like early millennial. She lived through Reaganomics. She understands that her identity was already prescribed for her. It was already designed before she even became a mom because Reagan and friends decided that we were all going to be welfare mothers. She's probably somebody who grew up um, struggling and disenfranchised, economically disenfranchised, but fought to make it, right? Um, She had a lot of things stacked against her, but she persevered and became the person that she wanted to be even when other people weren't trying to help her. Um, She's somebody who appreciated the authenticity and creativity of the streets. She's probably an artist herself in some way. Um, She raised her children to believe that they were better than their circumstances and that they could use their creativity to get out of it, right? She's been affected by policies that have been racist and sexist. And she may not even realize it because she's too busy just trying to make it. She thinks outside the box. She's a feminist. She may not know she's a feminist, though because she doesn't have access to the resources and education that tell her she's a feminist. And she fights racism all the time. And uh, she's a survivor. Wow. Well, I really hope that you you get to do that doctorate. Thank you. And the book that comes out of it is going to be magnificent. I I hope so, too. (laughs) Thank you. Can you tell us about the book that's already out? Yes. Is it Reclaiming Reclaiming Our Space? Reclaiming Our Space. How Black Feminists Are Changing the World from the Tweets to the Streets. This is part of why people think I'm already a doctor, because I wrote a goddamn dissertation. Um, (laughs) The book really looks at how Black women around the world have been able to build community online by connecting on these social media platforms like Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. And we're able to learn from each other and how we exist as black women around the world and how our feminisms exist and how they are the same and different. But then we've also been the ones most successful at leveraging social media for cultural change, pop culture and things like that. If you watch a television show and you see a hashtag or a movie, that's because of black women. If Mm. you've ever read a Twitter thread, that's because of black women. We created all of that. 
there's so many things that are cultural outputs of black women being online that I wanted to document. And I so want- So do you think Twitter yeah. threads were invented by black women? Yeah. Tell me more about that. Yeah, there's a whole chapter called Thread that everybody should read. And it, I talk about how it was a white guy who was credited with creating it, but it's not. So I proved that there were tweets beforehand that existed because a particular black woman found a way to reply to herself, to link her tweets, to create a continuous strain of thought. Wow. Yeah, so it's definitely autoethnographic. Originally, I just wanted to write about my peers and my friends who I think are some amazing people. Um, but my editor was like, you gotta write about yourself too. And I'm one of those people like, you shouldn't write a memoir before you're 50. So I was like, no. So she said, no, you have to because you have changed people's lives. And I was like, all right, I guess I'll do that. But I really wanted to talk about like the women that created Black Lives Matter, creating Me Too, creating Black Girls Are Magic, creating all these things, Black Girl Nerds, and just talking about how people have been able to just leverage social media for change. Yeah. And I wanted to document it while it was happening. So now, 100 years from now, when they say, what was feminism like at the turn of the century? They're going to talk about social media, but they're definitely going to talk about black women. And I wanted to be there. So. What would you like to see people do that they're not doing now that brings more light or heart or help or support to black women in America and internationally? That's a great question. That's um, a good question. Yeah, two things that came to mind. One is leave us alone. <laughs> and I say that because the abuse that is levied, you know, towards black women just for speaking out about these things is atrocious. You know, we say this thing hurts us. Well, I'm not hurting you. Mm-hmm. Not all of us hurt you. Well, watch your tone when you're saying the word hurt. Oh, how am I supposed to change that? Well, why are you mad at me? Like all these things, just because I said this thing hurt me, you know, and that's every time. So if y'all could just leave us alone to just even get it out, that would be amazing. Then once we get it out, you don't have to white explain it. You don't have to man explain it. You don't have to straight explain it. You don't have to able explain it. You don't have to do any of that. Just hit the retweet button. That's it. Because one of the things I do talk about in the book is that white women, black men, everybody who is not a black woman, (laughs) feels the need to take what it is that we have said and done and explain it as though we are inarticulate and unable to do it ourselves. I will tweet, I'll say something like, Alice Walker wrote an amazing book, Color Purple. A white woman will quote tweet it and say, The Color Purple was an amazing book written by Alice Walker. Check out what Feminista Jones just said. Bitch, what the fuck did I just... I'm a feminist, but I'll call you a bitch to your face. What the hell? You know? Or a man will say, you know, fellas, we should be listening to these women and read The Color Purple. Really? Because I remember when it came out and the movie came out, Y'all motherfuckers hated it. Now all of a sudden, because I said it, you want to explain to your fellas that it's a good book to read. All you had to do was hit the retweet button or the share button. Like, you know what I mean? So that's a microcosm. That's an example of how it happens. Because everywhere we are, at work, at school, walking down the street, other people feel the need to explain our existence through their own lens because who we are is too much for them to process. So there has to be some kind of filter. And I think what we're seeing right now is black women saying, our filters are off. You need to take yours off too. We're here, we're smart, we've done this work longer than most of you. It's about time you acknowledge it. Mm -hmm. That's it. So first, And give us money, men. (laughs) I'm a feminist, but I believe men should give money to women every day. Every day. Matter of fact, if you're a man sitting next to a woman who has a bill, can you pay it? (laughs) Can you pay that? Because that's important. It's reparations. And um, (laughs) I'm black. I get to talk about reparations on both sides. (laughs) I should have white people paying my rent, men paying my utilities. I say. I'm just kidding. You don't have to pay my rent. (laughs) 
And is there anything else we can mm. do in yeah. terms of Trump's yeah. America oh, and oh, the poverty? Wow. Of, all right. Wow. I, we didn't do that. Sorry. I'm so sorry. We didn't do You're that. You went in raw. 96% of us didn't do that. <laughs> we didn't do that. We didn't do that. But you know what? It's really funny because I think that's an interesting thing. You know, people talk about like 53% of white women, you know, voted for Trump, blah, 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 blah. But you know, one of the things I pointed out, and this may make me not so good of black feminists, but I was like, white women have voted exactly the same for the last 50 years. Why did we think it was going to be different now? Because it was Trump, right? So I actually did a thread where I showed the voting patterns of white women for the last, I think, eight elections, presidential elections or something like that. And I was like, 51%, 51%, 52, 54, 53, 52, 50. They, they have not changed. So I'm like, because it's Trump and it's this clown, people are like super, super upset. But I'm like, black women's votes haven't changed either. We're just happy that our votes have gone to the person that we like. Because black women have voted the same for the last five elections too. So, we, you know, and I bring up that nuance because I think that it's very easy, particularly in feminist discourse, to make it about black and white and all these other things. And I do think those distinctions are important. But I also believe in intellectual honesty because that to me is the super important thing. If we are going to document what's happening in this country and what's going on, we need to be honest about it. Everybody wants to have a hot take. Oh, well, 53%, like people are talking about Michelle Williams, right? And what she said at the Golden Globes about how women, we need to start voting in our own self-interest. And everybody's like, oh, well, 53% of white, blah, 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 blah. I was like, clearly she was talking to those women. Like, why are y'all getting on her? Like, she's seriously up there like, we have to do better. I'm, I'm super about like honesty and truth and nuance and I think that nuance died when Twitter was created so you know it's really mm-hmm. tough so no I think everything you're saying is incredible and I'm really loath to say anything back to you in case I'm accidentally re-explaining it to you no you're all good uh, <laughs> but you know what you have a British accent so it counts <laughs> it's cool it's cool uh, it's just gonna sound better <laughs> <laughs> I cannot retweet you in a British accent. No, but you can say it now. Quote tweet you in a British accent. Leave go. black women alone. <laughs> Sounds so much better. All I'm saying uh, is... By Joe, hit, leave them alone. Hit. Listen, put down your naughty bits and just retweet them. <laughs> I knew you said <laughs> Just retweet them without... There's no need to quote tweet. I've never had hot wax near my ass and I'm just... <laughs> I'm fine with that. I'm fine oh, with that. No, no hot wax, know. no lasers. Oh, no. You said something interesting that as a pansexual woman, you are heading away from dating men. Oh, gosh, yes. <laughs> so I think, so yes, yes. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so so I have a column called XOXO Feminista. Um, many years ago, I had a column with Ebony Magazine, Love and Sex. I'm a sex positive feminist. That's how I came onto the scene. I really wanted to talk from a black woman's perspective about reclaiming sexuality because black women have not owned their bodies. And so I wanted to come out that way. So I used to write, and I would look back on some of the things I wrote, and I was like, oh, girl, that whole choice feminism, all that nonsense. I was just like, ooh. You know, and so now I have a new column where I feel like I'm older and I can write and talk about these things. But as I'm talking, and I know that my audience is primarily you know, cisgender, heterosexual folks, a lot of women that are trying to date men, as I'm trying to write this stuff, I'm like, Oh, God, I would never do this. I used to all be like, you know, yes, you know, here's how you can work on your gag reflex. Now I'm just like, no, because it's important, right? Right, it's important. It was important. Because now you can do it on a strap. But I'm, I'm, I'm like, now I'm like, oh, don't ever put it near your mouth. Don't do it. Here's an article about a man who got caught fucking a goat. <laughs> Don't do it. Um, right. So I, I've never fucked a goat. I've never <sighs> once in the history of the world has a woman fucked a goat. Never. <laughs> never. You don't need to put no curvy on the pussy. It's not gonna be no goat. Nothing. Okay. But I realized that, in all seriousness, that a lot of what I'd been through in my relationships with men, and not just romantic relationships, but kind of whatever, and then social media reminding me that men truly are trash. I mean, it's like every day they cannot help themselves but to put on display. I'm a dirtbag piece of shit. Send tweets. (laughs) 
like every day. And I'm just more and more and more. I'm just like, no, I don't find you all attractive. Like I, the guy from uh, Watchmen, what's his name, Yaya? Oh yeah. <laughs> Brad Pitt, oh yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> Grew up with that. But the rest of y'all, <laughs> y'all see how fine women are? Like, just, just women just wake up, yawn, uh, just fine. Morning breath and all, but you still fine. Men be like, I want some bacon. Take your ass to IHOP. So no, I'm not feeling it. I've been growing more and more and more interested in the relationships between women and how we can strengthen them, particularly from this feminist point of view. Like, I really think there's something to women coming together and having communities and building communes and bringing their children and just living free. No free bleeding, but just free. <laughs> and not being interrupted by maleness. Maybe bring them in once a month. Like the Sadie Hawkins dance or something. Bring them in once a month. Have a little fun. Round the moon ritual. <laughs> So you're suggesting a series of communes, just to be clear, yeah, yeah. you're suggesting yeah. a series across Absolutely. America. Absolutely. Absolutely. The world. That are, that oh. are uh, for, just, just for women, 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 just women and, and minority, minority genders. genders. Yes, non, so non-binary, all of that. So women and minority genders in a series of communes. Yes. Just, are, are you on board with this, Glenn? Yeah. There's Am the, I understanding the, the, yeah. Are you on board for it? Uh, there's a series I need to hear the of, whole idea first. Okay, so there's a series Okay, so of, men pay for it. Sounds good so far. Okay. <laughs> We have the children there, and cis men are invited in once a month. Yeah. Presumably, our periods are synced, so we're ovulating at the same yeah, time. Yeah. Then Bring them in a week before. <laughs> oh, sure. And then we have some kind of moon ritual. Yeah. Those who wish to partake in any kind of sexual congress with men will do it at that time. Yes. And then they will be asked to leave the commune they've paid for. And then. Women and minority genders will spend the rest of the time living wonderfully, leaving, making art, okay. having the big pieces of chicken. I don't, some, some people are going to want this to be vegan. I feel like the kind of people that are going to be attracted okay, to this. Okay, you can have the, ch- the C H I K apostrophe in. You okay, get so the, the big mom, ones. I feel like I just feel like a lot of your core base. There's no gluten is in chicken. going to be vegan. And yeah. gluten-free. No, uh, I know no but, but I mean, seriously, I think, I, think try it. I, I, recently, try it. I recently wrote about the effects of relationship trauma and things like that. And it's very real. And I understand how some women, particularly those of us that are queer, get older and move away. Particularly now, I'm so happy that we are allowed to be more open. I had a young woman uh, hit on me the other day outside of Target. And I was wearing my Ravenclaw um, hoodie. And she came up and... Uh, she, and I am Ravenclaw, totally. Um, and she was like using Harry Potter as an in or whatever. And she was in her 20s. And I don't do that because I'm not a predator. Um, but <laughs> I liked that she, no, I, that's all I get are young women. I am so um, over it. You look so young though. Like, I look 40. I'm, you don't. I'm anti-ageist. I got to push on that one. I look 40 because I am 40. Everybody looks the age they are. But we just all look different. I can understand why a yeah, woman I'm, in her I'm, 20s might play her chances young. there, though. Yeah. No, but, but I mean, that's also queer culture. I'd be looking for, like, a mommy-type figure. And I'm oh. also a dom, so I get it. I give off dom vibes. And I had a pride sticker on my car. So I know that that's part of it, too. But I just felt like 10 years ago, not even five years ago, that wouldn't have happened outside of a Target in yeah. Philadelphia. Wow. Right. You know what I mean? Mm, yeah. So I, I love that that's happening. But I kind of don't want to date anyone right now because I got my cats last year, Wendy and Lisa, and I turned 40. So I am officially a cat lady feminist. (laughs) I have plants. I got an instant pot. You've got a what, sorry? I got an instant pot. An instant pot. You guys know what an instant pot is. That's like a slow cooker? Yeah, you guys know what an instant pot is. It's an all-in-one cooking situation. Okay, okay, okay. I got Alexa. True crime podcast, guilty feminist. Listen, I don't need need? to date men. No. And then, like, the sex toy companies send me free stuff to try out. Sure. You know? Absolutely. I travel. You're set for years. Are you kidding me? I go go to other countries. 
I got a smart kid already. I did the marriage thing. I can write all that, check all that off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How are you feeling about the dating situation, Glenn? Um, good, yeah. <laughs> are you down for this commune now? You've heard the full idea. She's got a laser waxed I, asshole. She's doing great. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I'm clearly trying very hard. Yeah, no, I, well, I, yeah, I like the commune. I think we should at least try the commune idea. We've tried so much other stuff. Like, come on, just give us a shot. <laughs> if it doesn't work out, we'll go back. <laughs> what could be worse than living in Trump's America? Yeah. At least let's try the commune. Right. At least let's try the commune. At a minimum, it's a vacation, right? right. Like kind <gasps> of a that, departure. I would really love you know, that. It's a departure. And I say that because I actually have done something similar to that. Not as long. But it is a, a departure mm-hmm. from this everyday nonsense of street harassment, work harassment, you know, looking at your paycheck and knowing it's lower than the, the guy that you work with. You know, just having somebody call you a bitch because you ignored them, like having to be on social media and tweet about reproductive justice and somebody responds something stupid. Just a week <sighs> even Can you- <laughs> a- away from all of that and surrounded by people who are going to uplift you, we'll share, your, you, values. share yeah. your valuables, cook for each other. Can you imagine what it would be like to walk outside after the sun goes down and you feel like fine? Yeah. <laughs> okay. And you're yeah. not like terrified yes. for your life. I, I had imagine. this. Imagine. I went to Fire Island. I went yeah. to Fire Island yeah. and I had that experience. Yeah. The island is very straight and narrow and that is misleading because none of the people <laughs> on it are not, those things. Not at all. Um, it was only when I left the island that I realized, although we had nowhere to stay for quite a substantial period, not one moment was I scared. I was never scared. And then I just thought, imagine if that island was full of straight men. We were virtually the only women there. We saw a few women, but hardly any women. What if that was an island full of straight men? I would be like, we have to find a way to get off. Yeah. Now, this is not because I think all straight men are going to attack me by any means. Some of my favorite David Attenborough is a straight man. <laughs> but I... That's so but some of my favorite my husbands are straight white men but you cannot be on an island exclusively of straight men with only a few women there and not expect to be harassed mm-hmm. and you would feel very unsafe if you found yourself sleeping on the beach yeah and you would be right to yeah you would be right to and this is not me looking at a straight man and making assumptions this is simply a numbers game <laughs> And I think this is why your idea is really good, Feminista. Most of us can't take our whole lives out to a commune for the rest of our life. But could we create spaces that were like two to six weeks long? Yeah, we can. And we do. One week. We do. Um, They exist already, right? And so when I talk about it, I'm not necessarily always joking because I know that they exist. Every year I actually do a weekend that is just like that. But other people do it longer. It can be. And I think that when you think about all the things that we face the moment we walk out the door, if we even can, before that, when you wake up and you grab your phone and turn it on and what you're assaulted with, whether it's in the news or social media or somebody sent you a message they didn't need to send at three o'clock in the morning. It's so much, it's exhausting. Mm -hmm. And I think what we're hearing a lot from women is how exhausting it is, financially, physically, spiritually, whatever, to be women. And that's what I want for all women is to have a reprieve from that exhaustion of being women in this world. Feminista, is there anything you've got to plug that you would like us to look at? Where can we follow you, et cetera, and so forth? Yes, um, I'm really good at branding, so everything is Feminista Jones. So Instagram and Twitter. Everything, everything, everything is Feminista Jones. Okay, we can, <laughs> Website, feministajones.com. Facebook, facebook.com slash Feminista Jones. Like and you've got your books. I've got my buy. books. Everything is under Feminista Jones. Again, uh, feministajones.com slash books or Amazon or Bar- wherever you go to get your books, you can find them. The one thing that I do want to say I do have coming up is uh, my friends and I are launching a podcast called Black Girl Missing. And we are going to cover cases current and cold of black girls ages zero to 17 that have gone missing. Wow. And we are recording that out of Washington, D.C. That should be uh, launching in a couple of weeks. This is a passion project for us. Um, and you will be able to get all that information as well. Wow. We'll be sharing it. Oh, but my it's, God. It's gonna, it's, it's, such people are just, they have, you have idea. people that talk about missing children. You have people that talk about missing black people. You know, da-da-da-da. But the issue right now 
is really about black girls being snatched off the streets, literally going missing, running away, being trafficked, all these kinds of things. So we're doing that podcast. Amazing. So excited. And do you want to tell us about the single mom you were telling us about backstage? Just oh, so people can yes. So on Twitter and social media today, there was a story of a woman in, uh, in Tennessee who had 11 children and was facing eviction. And most people were responding, complaining about why she had 11 children and it's all her fault. And pathologizing black women as single moms. And it really enraged me because black mothers have been vilified throughout history. So anyway... I wrote an article about it, about how we made so many assumptions about her that we wouldn't make about white moms, right? Assuming that she has multiple fathers, all these kinds of things. So I put it out there, whatever. People were sharing her GoFundMe link, which got totally filled and she got excess money. Somebody's offered her an apartment. Somebody has offered her a laptop. Somebody gave her a part-time job making double minimum wage. Like all of this, because she got fired from her job while she was pregnant, okay? 12 years on the job, fired while she was pregnant during a high-risk pregnancy. We know about black maternal health. And everybody made the assumption that she was like just living off the system or whatever. No, she was looking for a job. Someone on Twitter gave her a job, gave her a laptop so she could work from home and be with her kids, okay? That is the power of Twitter. That is why I keep doing what I do, why I use my platform to amplify these stories and to engage people because we can use it for good. If you stop retweeting Donald Trump, and you start retweeting these links and these opportunities to help other people, we can drown out a lot of this noise and make the world a better place. Wonderful. Glenn Buzan, what can we follow of yours? Oh, boy. Uh, I have nothing that's that wonderful um, to say. I'm bad at branding, so um, I guess my Twitter. <laughs> Your Twitter is at Buzan. Uh, at Buzan, yes, B-O-O-Z-A-N. Yeah, oh, watch Conan, uh, weeknights, uh, Monday through Thursday Conan, on TBS. Yes. Um, I don't know if you've heard of that. It's Conan O'Brien. Conan O'Brien's show. Conan O'Brien. Conan. Um, yeah, uh, that's all I, I got, I think. And uh, the book, The Guilty Feminist, is out in America finally, Woo! which is very exciting. There's all sorts of chapters about confidence and tribal confidence and how to create a microclimate. You have been a really terrific audience. Can I just have a big, big uh, thank you and uh, cheer? <laughs> Can I have a big thank you and cheer for everyone here at the Punchline Philly for yeah. begging us for so welcome. For all of you, you've been an incredible audience. For everyone who's come from out of town or in town uh, and slept here tonight, thank you so much. You are a really, really wonderful audience. to Jones, everybody. I've been Deborah Francis-White. This is The Guilty Feminist. Thank you so much, Philadelphia. Good night. thumb opener and it was so discreet because in a meeting you could just be like and now because I have this face opener right, I have to, to be like that's so obvious when you're doing it so now I've got this like 12 digit pin so I'm like like I'm trying to open up someone else's Swiss bank account have you okay. ever looked been looking so ugly that your phone is like that's not you oh happens to be like in the, it, in the morning, it doesn't recognize right me half bed. the time yeah. i'm just like it doesn't no absolutely truth it, i need to know my my own iphone ghosts me it's just like i don't know who you are this isn't a face this I is don't, not a face i don't recognize you we never slept together <laughs> like just like being in starbucks with someone you slept with three nights ago and they're like no i'm with my wife now i don't know i don't know who you are a huge thank you to all of our amazing patrons sponsoring us at the Smash the Patriarchy level or above. John Quilcoy, Sarah Brown, and Sarah Boom. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? 
Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.